Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sex Cells podcast. Happy New Year's and Merry Christmas. It's been a while since I've been on again. I'm sorry. I know I said I was going to be consistent, but I actually was a little bit unwell the last few weeks. Um, Yeah, more on that later, but getting through it now, things are looking up. New Year's started fresh. So obviously, as per tradition, we'll be starting the year off with, um, I wanted to do something about what lessons you need to take into 2024, what you need to leave behind in 2023, and just some hard truths and hard realities um, that I think everyone needs to adapt and learn in order to be a better person. Um, And by better person, I don't mean like reaching their fullest potential at all points or having no issues ever, but things that are going to better you as a person that I think that most people take too long to learn this. Um, And they figure this out when they're 40 or 50 years old. And that's when they start um, becoming content in life saying, you know, it's like I stopped giving a fuck about ABC. And that is when life started (laughs) getting good. And I'm like, well, let's not wait until we're 40, 50 years old, or if you're at that age, stop it immediately. Um, And let's take a look at things and think, what can we actually change in our life? I actually saw a video yesterday Um, It was on TikTok and it was a guy talking about how he was like, you know what, you try to put yourself out there if you want to be like a social media content creator or you're trying to start a business and you're trying to promote yourself and you've got three followers or whatever and you want to do all these things. Um, Like I know so many people personally and I actually posted on this, I forgot to post the, the responses, but I posted on my Instagram the other day um, saying, what are your goals for um, 2024 and so many people said not that it was a goal but that their dream was to start their own business and the only thing that is holding them back is fear Um, and I relate to this a lot as well I don't have fear or anxiety about starting my business Uh, I've done it before seeing clients or anything like that but I have anxiety I'm using the word anxiety extremely loosely, but about posting on social media, there's something innate in me that finds it so cringe thinking of just posting all these things on my social media. I don't know what it is because when I see other people do it, I don't find it cringe. And I know that this is a projection of myself and I need to work through that. And then I started doing it recently. I've gone off the rails again. I was a bit unwell, so just kind of stopped posting on Instagram, but I'm like, once I started doing it, I was like, who, like, who even cares? Like, what the fuck? Like, why was I stressed about this? It's so stupid. Or my friend wants to um, do, like, book reviews on TikTok or write or do recipes. And I'm like, just do it. Or she also has worked in events and she wants to start her own business um, in events. And she's an events master. <laughs> but she she finds it like, oh, people are going to find it so weird that I'm switching industries completely and starting my own business and events and I'm like no no one's gonna think that like everyone knows you as the go-to person for planning things it's just funny how we hold ourselves back anyway we got sidetracked so I saw this video and this guy was saying um, about people that want to start their own businesses and their the fear of other people or their especially their friends 
judging them or like sending screenshots in the group chat um, or being like, look how cringe this is, blah, blah, blah. I, it's, it, the reality is, is that, yeah, actually that could happen. Yep, that might happen. People might say that's cringe. They've got three followers and they're posting all these videos or no one subscribed. Yeah, people might say that, so what? The trick is, I guess, to learn to, you know, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. We all know that book and that theory. But he was saying, which I found so impactful, he said, I will never respect someone that wasted their whole life and then they're a late adulthood or they're old or whatever. I'm paraphrasing massively here. And look back on their life saying, I always dreamed of doing this or being in fashion or whatever, writing a book. And I never did it. I never fulfilled my passion because I was worried about what other people would think. And sometimes we're worried about people think that don't even know us or are we even guaranteed to be friends with them in 20 years? And should we really even be around those people? I remember, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Jamie Zhu, who is a very popular um, YouTuber personality and I actually knew him in high school, obviously many years ago. He gate crashed one of my birthday parties, uh, my 16th birthday party, and he he um, sat next to me and said, I don't even know whose fucking house this is. And I said, well, it's mine. Um, <laughs> but he met my best friend at the time at that party and they got into like a relationship and so Jamie and I knew each other for many years um and even now we keep in contact very rarely occasionally just randomly out of the blue but we had known each other for a long time and he that was when we were 16 um and then after high school maybe around 18 19 he started posting these videos and I knew him and his friends and I knew that um his friends were commenting on like oh my god he's giving up his career to do YouTube like this is embarrassing and saying these things and look who's fucking laughing now (laughs) this guy was so successful he's been around the world he's done he's made good money from it like he is absolutely thriving and it's like thank god he just stuck to his guns and said no I know that I'm funny I know I can do this like it's isn't it amazing like what we would do if fear was not holding us back and I've as you know I've studied um counseling and behavioral science relationship counseling sexology and life coaching and the thing that the biggest thing that comes up in life coaching which doesn't come up in standard therapy the main question of life coaching is what direction would you take if fear wasn't a part of this decision And this is something that I've really like, even though I've known that I studied this years ago, but even though I've known this for many years, I've really started actually asking myself that on the regular. And I'm like, it's amazing how I can push myself to do things. If I ask myself that question and be like, okay, well, this is what I actually want. Um, And I did used to put that in practice a lot as well when I was a teenager and I have a um, I had a beach house well my parents had a beach house up at McMaster's beach and all the time there'd be local kids every weekend having bonfires and and stuff on the beach and I was like 14 15 obviously I didn't know anyone and my mum would be like 
just go. And I'm like, that's so embarrassing. I'm not just rocking up to (laughs) walking onto a beach with a bunch of random strangers. And she was like, just get in the car. I'm dropping you down there. Just go. Like who, who cares if it's awkward, I'll pick you up in an hour. Like you'll get over it. And I'm so glad that I was pushed for that. And that was like kind of the the push that I had from my parents growing up rather than it's okay if you're uncomfortable sit home and never be um kind of really pushed to be like you'll get over it if it's uncomfortable like parts of life are uncomfortable parts of life are cringe and so my message to everyone and to myself for this year is embrace things that make you feel cringe especially things with of yourself that make you cringe at yourself like We got to get over this shit. We're holding ourselves back way too much. We're letting fear dictate our lives. And for what? For other people's opinions? Chances are they won't care about us. (laughs) Like if it's your family, like they'll have to learn to love you. Like, sorry, I'm fulfilling my passionate dreams. You know, I, I just, I know so many people that have found such great success once they've followed their own personal projects and passions, um, regardless of how obscure they sounded at the start. So I just I just wish like for everyone that we're going to rally together. We're going to do this anyways. Um, so I've made a list basically of 10 lessons that I think are really important. And just so you know, I, I am feeling better, but I'm a little bit unwell. So this might be a bit short, this one. Um, and it is stinking hot today up here. So... Um, I hate the heat. Can't wait for winter to come down. Okay. So the first lesson that I want us all to, and this is, this is, I feel like a projection of like my, myself, this first one I wrote was like basically a message to myself as well. But I think it's so important to learn. You don't have to be the bigger person. So if someone has mistreated you or they've disrespected you or your boundaries, You don't have to be the bigger person to go and resolve it. Like if a friend's let you down or they've got the shits with you about something that is like, or they've said something offensive, you do not have to be the bigger person every time and go and fix it. You know, like we don't have to keep making allowances for everyone and being, I love that if you're that person, like it's usually led by compassion and empathy and I'm definitely that person too but sometimes we need to take the space we need and we need to disengage in it from that and be like you know what this is I don't need to be the person that passively sits back or um, allows people to disrespect me or makes allowances for me etc I didn't write this one down but this also reminds me of another thing that I think is really important to bring into this yeah is to stop labeling everyone like stop giving diagnostic labels like oh they're a narcissistic person or they're extremely borderline everyone loves to diagnose everyone with borderline um, personality disorder which I think is offensive um to just assume that if someone is a has a shitty personality they must have borderline like that's really offensive to people that actually do have borderline personality disorder um and and also what I see is that when we we diagnose these people as being narcissistic or whatever, one, it's not helpful. Like 
in any way to yourself to assume that everyone everyone does narcissistic things everyone self-sabotages everyone does things that are hurtful at times in our life it doesn't automatically make us a completely narcissistic person that needs to have you know a diagnosis and also what I find that is really really trendy and I see this on a lot of like life coaches and relationship coaches pages um, and therapists is the obsession with finding your attachment style or knowing your attachment style or even more knowing other people's attachment styles I don't think it is that important if someone is mistreating you if they're ghosting you if they're ignoring you and they're not that committed to communicating in an effective manner We don't need to minimize that by saying it's because they've got an avoidant attachment style or this person needs to know what I'm wearing when I go out or they need to have a a text every hour that I'm out because they've got an anxious attachment style. No, we need to hold people accountable for their behaviors and not provide some excuse for them or understanding. Of course, it can be relevant for for you for yourself to know your own attachment style in your own personal journey but giving everyone else this this um leeway because of their attachment styles it it really feels like an excuse and a lot of people I'm seeing say that like sorry I'm like this I'm anxious avoidant sorry I'm like this whatever but before that it was sorry I'm like this I've got trauma or sorry I'm like this you know I was bullied in my in my primary school years like it's just the trend right now is to talk about our attachment styles and I do think it's fascinating to know and I do think it's important but I really don't think it is it's that important and then I don't think it is the basis of all relationship communication etc um anyone can learn to communicate effectively there are going to be things that make it harder there are going to, people with trauma will be more hypervigilant etc but it doesn't mean that we will allow or should allow people to be like, I'm going to let myself get abused verbally in a relationship or have my needs be completely unmet because of their attachment style. Anyways, <laughs> that was a side rant. Okay, my second one, or maybe that now it's probably my third or fourth. But anyway, my second point was how people treat you is a reflection on how they feel about themselves. So it's a reflection of their own emotional maturity, their own self-awareness, their own past experiences. Like I always say, people can only meet you as far as they've met themselves. So a lot of people have been raised in trauma, around chaos, fights, arguments, and are simply reenacting the patterns that they grew up with. And I think that this is a really good way to understand we can't always explain or feel we feel so frustrated especially when it comes from our parents when people you know are mistreating us or saying things about us or friends or peers this is not a reflection on you and your personality it is truly a reflection and projection of themselves and often what we say I've said this many times before often what we dislike in other people is actually what we dislike in ourselves um and I think that if you if you find yourself kind of tempted or you often gossip, listen and see and, and pay attention, like be mindful 
or and be curious about do I repeat certain things about someone like do I constantly say oh they have to be the center of attention or oh they're so rigid like they're so like have no flexibility blah 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 do we repeat these things about multiple people because if you look hard and close more than likely that's actually something that we just don't like within ourselves it's we're all mirrors we're all showing each other's what what we like about other people ourselves and what we dislike about ourselves and we verbalize it externally about other people so it's it's interesting how our own psychology works all right so this one I think is one of the most important ones um and I know that when I was you know 20 22 and I was studying counseling, behavioral science, applied psychology. I was really, really into this. And that is analyzing people's behavior. And I still find that I do it because I'm very curious about everyone that I meet and that I talk to. And that's how, like, in my mind, I'm processing the conversation and I'm putting, I'm always trying to put pieces together about their personality what I think their upbringing was what I think their values are this is just like my life passion but I do find that like it obviously now I'm much more actually I'm going to take things at face value for what's presented to me rather than analyzing everything so deeply and finding meaning with these things and anyone that is introduced to psychology which is very trendy at the moment and reading all these books all of a sudden thinks they know everything about everyone else. Um, So anyway, instead of analyzing someone's behavior, if someone does something that upsets you or pisses you off or whatever, instead of analyzing it and being like, maybe it was a trauma, maybe it was this, maybe it's their attachment style, just stop. Just stop asking why. It doesn't matter why they ghosted you. It doesn't matter why they love bombed you or why they manipulate or why they cheated or why they can't communicate. Just stop. Stop interpreting these things as potential trauma or attachment issues and instead just ask yourself, does this work for me and do I like it? It's as simple as that. Does this work for me and do I like it? And everyone is responsible for their own behavior. (laughs) I feel like I'm being so fired up. (laughs) I feel like, do I sound like I'm ranting? I'm sorry. Um, Gosh, I was getting really passionate there. Okay, you should see my hand gestures going on behind here. I'm literally just looking out the window, talking with my hands going crazy, thinking, oh, this is so profound. (laughs) These hard-hitting, hard-hitting truths, but I think we all need to hear them. Okay, so um, my next one, I'm on point four now. Not everything needs to be fixed. So we don't need to attain perfection or pure constant happiness. And the wisest of people know how to sit with pain and suffering. So I think that adopting this this mindset and understanding is very freeing. Like, let's not try to attain perfection. Let's try to attain a personality or an equilibrium where we can regulate our nervous systems where we can communicate effectively our needs but part of the human experience and I also think the beauty of the human experience from a spiritual level is that we get to experience the variety of emotions we get to experience love and pain and grief and shame and regret and the the vast you know spectrum of emotions that we get to experience is a privilege 
And by just trying to be happy and perfect all the time, that's not the that's not the human experience, baby. That's just that's just false pretenses and and uh, perfectionism and putting ourselves on a pedestal that may may be impossible to meet. Um, so I think that allowing ourselves to realize this is yeah, it's freeing and and is perfect even that great. No, probably not. Um, okay. Which kind of leads me to my next point, actually. Quick fixes are tempting and popular because it hints to the promise of healing. Self-help books create like this pseudo confidence that is short-lived and doesn't actually unpack why you are this way. So I think that, yeah, self-help books are interesting and they're fun to read and they may help you, you know, open your mind to some things and think about some things. Or also, not just necessarily self-help books, but also podcasts um, like this one. Like I've had a lot, a lot of people reach out to me saying how um, this has really helped them. They've learned so many things. They've adapted many things in their relationship. And I love that. That's literally my favorite thing to hear ever. And I'm so grateful for for you guys that you actually tell me this. Um, I think that's so beautiful. So thank you. Um, but also like if you truly need healing, you need to invest in yourself. You need to invest in a psychologist, a psychotherapist, a coach, something. You need someone that if you, and this is if you need like genuine healing and, and really profound or not even profound but just you need growth and you can observe that in yourself often we're not going to find this in a book um and as much as we this book can be an amazing read and even I want to write a book one day (laughs) probably about these things but I think that these kind of things need to be personalized to you you need a professional or an experienced person, a qualified person that understands you and can learn to understand you, the way you work, your personality, things that, you know, your obstacles, your barriers, etc. and make a program or go through therapy with you in a way that is catered to you. Um, and I put this one in because I found that I find that men in particular, last year, 2023, I read 30 fictional books, which I really enjoy because it's the first time I've really just like stopped reading as much nonfiction. I still read a few, but just let myself have a little bit of an escape. This became my hobby and read a lot of fiction. And I've noticed that I don't often see men reading fictional books. And often when men read, a lot of it is these self-help books that are catered to kind of, you know, the, the masculine. Um, and like, for example, um, Adrian's been reading this book and I can't remember what it's called, but he, he's been, Adrian, as we know, Adrian's been uh, in therapy he, multiple times throughout his life um, for just anxiety management. And he's someone that's really proactive in the sense that he's like, I'm, there's no stigma to going to therapy. I'm more than happy to go and learn about myself and um, put things into practice, learn toolkits. 
And, you know, he goes for weeks and weeks and sometimes he'd be like, I don't actually know what, you know, my my psychologist is telling me to do because it's so slow and so guided. And then meanwhile, he reads this book with like a hundred suggestions and he's trying to put it in place. This literally just happened in the last couple of weeks where he started reading this book and it was very like, if you want to um, change your life, like here's all these things you can do and it's very catered to the masculine and it was, you know, like wake up at 5 a.m., cold shower, exercise, eat clean, journaling, um, reflection, clean your house, do the backyard, like do all these things. And even though those are things that of course I recommend and of course I think are amazing and I do like literally suggest those things, having a complete upheaval of your life immediately, chances are is not going to stick around for the long term. And anyway, so of course what happened is he did it for two weeks he started feeling at first he felt great about it and then he started getting really stressed because he wasn't completing all the tasks he was supposed to and his days felt really busy really fast paced really overwhelmed with all these things he had to do and it was almost having the opposite effect of him it was making him more stressed more like disappointed in himself when he wasn't reaching these goals that he was supposed to do and I was trying to say like do one thing at a time Start with the cold showers. Do it for 30 days until that becomes your norm, if this is what you want to do. I don't mean everyone has to have cold showers. I don't have cold showers anymore. And and then add another thing in, whether it be spend 10 minutes every evening meditating or doing the dishes or whatever. Like you don't have to just completely upheave your life. And I do this as well all the time where like, You know, I think we all attempted to where we're like, okay, fresh start. It's 2024, new year, new me. And you want to do all these things and you burn out. Um, So I'll get more to this in the last point, actually. I'll talk about it then. But one thing I'll say is you guys know how I did um, a few months ago or maybe it was more than a few months. Maybe it was like six months. I don't know. But I did um, 75 hard. So it was 75 days straight of absolutely no treats, exercising at least like an hour and a half every day, two liters of water, reading nonfiction books, like all these things. And I, it was really successful for me. I felt good. I stuck it out. I completed it. Um, I lost like almost 10 kilos. Um, Yeah, it was great. And I thought, okay, I've done this for 75 days straight. 10 and a half weeks. This is the new me. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Literally, as soon as I stopped, I went back to my old habits, Like, it, which has been really, really interesting for me to observe, especially now that some time has passed. Like, I just immediately fell back into my old habits. 28 days to break a habit is not always the way it's going to be. Anything that you want to change in your life, you have to be committed to make that change for life. Um, And a lot of those things are going to be, this is why I suggest investing in a coach or therapist where you can understand, okay, this is going to be the best change I can make for me. And here is why, and here are the obstacles that I might face. And, and here is a, a staggered approach on how I can adapt this into my life rather than doing this huge uphaul, 
um, of everything that you've ever known. And I read some studies. I spoke about this um, with Neil a while back, but I read some studies about the psychology of change and and also like statistically, what are the stats on how we can how long does it actually take on average to change a habit? And there was one study done. I haven't read this in months and months, so I'm just talking off the top of my head here. But basically they asked um, a few thousand people, I think, to take a daily walk after dinner every single day and force themselves to do it. No matter what, every single day after they had dinner, they go on an evening walk and they could not stop this. And then they were supposed to document like when it felt like it became a habit or when they continued to just do it like instinctively, like, okay, dinner's finished. You just automatically go put your shoes on rather than being like, oh, I have to go do this. I don't want to. Anyway, they found basically the finding was that it can take anywhere from nine days to 287, I'm pretty sure, days to break a habit or create a habit. So it is going to be vastly different. And I thought 75 days, that's heaps. No, that was not enough for me. Not at all. Maybe it was something I had to stick to for a whole year. And that level of intensity, especially with a child, was not sustainable for me. Um, So I think that, you know, that's, that's something important to remember. Like, we just because we do something for four weeks straight or you know we all know it's the stats on losing weight unfortunately are not great because you lose the weight and you go back to your habits and you put them back on and it's this constant cycle or you like for Adrian he starts all these good habits he does them for four weeks and then they were too much too intense he gets burned out and then stops it and goes back to his own habits like it's so natural and I will do a podcast on this like about like better ways to create change in your life and create new habits and why we fall back into our old patterns so easily and just without even conscious awareness when you've been doing for something for so long um but yeah so anyway don't just rely on the books <laughs> that's a very long-winded me- way for me to say like self-help books and podcasts are great and interesting and you can take learning from it but profound healing and change and growth please invest make an investment in yourself and see a therapist or a coach and do your research because I know therapists and I know coaches and not everyone <laughs> is great and not everyone just because you have a degree in psychology or whatever it doesn't actually make you an expert in all aspects of life um so yeah we'll we'll see actually in the next few weeks I will be reopening my books and having my my new website back up um to take clients again so stay tuned for that reach out if you'd like me to contact you when that's up um hopefully by February end of Feb, maybe March, we shall see. Okay. Um, My next point, the relationships that we attract when we're making ourselves like meek, passive, small, um, not not communicative or whatever, we make ourselves that way and we end up in a relationship. The lesson I want you to know is that you're usually attracting relationships with people that are preferring you to be meek passive and small 
Um, so keep that in mind. Sometimes that is what they want in someone, which is why they pursued you. Um, and that is why you hear people say all the time, heal yourself before you get in a relationship, work on yourself before you do. And I think that even though it's annoying to hear, there's a lot to say for that because that is why. And especially for, say, addicts um, and like if you go into Alcohol Anonymous, they often say like, don't date unless you've been sober for a year. And you're like, hey, I've been sober for six months. Like why? And it's not just the chaos of like the the temptation or whatever, but also like you may be attracting someone that is attracted to you in your unhealed state and they want that chaos. They want the instability. They want the ups and down roller coasters for, you know, they're obsessed with toxic behaviors, which is a pattern that we unconsciously repeat often in our lives. Um, and that when you become, when you're getting good, they don't like that. And I see on Reddit all the time, this is a very like stripped back version of this, but I see on Reddit all the time, people commenting saying, I got really fit. I went like men and women. I got really fit. I went to the gym. I lost a bunch of weight or whatever. I'm looking really good. I'm doing better than ever, looking better than ever. And my partner is like literally not happy about it. They don't like the way I look or they say I'm too bony or whatever. And it's just, you know, that's concerning. That's more of a reflection on the partner than it is on yourself. And it's not really a personality check, but just it's something to be conscious of. Just be aware that who you are when you attract someone is often what they are attracted to. Um, so, yeah. The next point I want to make, and I just want to keep this straight to the point and have it hit home hard, is you cannot improve your relationships if you cannot manage your stress. Please understand this. If you're someone that has a low tolerance to stress, you need to be, that needs to be your absolute top priority, your absolute top goal for 2024. Reach out to me if this is you. Um, It's real, stress is, God, oh, everyone should read the book when the body says no. Um, and it is really scary and do research on the impact and the effects of stress on your body and how our body does not recognize when a stressful situation at work, it does not understand the difference between that and being faced, you know, face to face with a lion in the jungle or whatever. And the impact it has on your body with the cortisol and adrenaline and, and all these hormones that can truly literally impacts your chemistry, your biology, your illnesses, etc., are so significant. So it's so hard to be like, just don't be stressed and life will be okay. But there are ways that you can learn to manage stress better, to help your regulation system better. Anyway, more on that coming soon. A true sign, my next point, a true sign of personal growth and relationship intelligence is when you stop confusing mixed signals and toxic behaviors for passion and chemistry. So this is a podcast that will be coming up to about why are we so attracted to toxic people or why are some people so attracted to that? Because that is probably one of the top things I get messaged about um, <laughs> a lot. Like why do I find the safe relationships so boring and so unfulfilling? Um, so yeah, you a, a sign of healing and growth and, 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 and relationship intelligence is when 
you don't perceive those, you know, toxic behaviors as passion. Um, okay. So I mentioned this before. I forgot that I'd written this one down, but I'll just say the sentence and then move on to my last point then. Number nine, when you're stuck on a decision, ask yourself, what would I do if fear did not play a role in this? Enough said. Just ask yourself that. Doesn't mean you have to make that decision, but just ask yourself, what would I do if fear didn't play a role in this? And see what you decide. I think that's a really, really good habit to start. And also to be aware. It's funny how unaware we can be of our own desires and goals and dreams and subconscious you know factors that driving us to things and I just think if we ask ourselves these questions more and we're more curious about ourselves we don't have to act on it but understanding ourselves there's so much to learn about ourselves and isn't that fascinating that here you are living breathing functioning thinking analyzing you know all these things and there's still so much that we have to learn about ourselves and understand about ourselves which it's it's amazing and exciting and it's it's a journey of endless progression okay finally my most important point I think for healing and I I spoke about this before a few points back Um, about the self-help books, etc. Your nervous system, which is basically like your fight or flight and everything, your nervous system heals in slowness. So if you're trying to heal and change, you don't need to throw yourself into reading 10 self-help books and podcasting all the time or waking up at 5 a.m., cold showers, journaling, clean eating, all these things. You just need to start by creating a safe environment, which isn't always possible. It can be hard, but that is the basis. Create an environment where you feel safe and at peace. And this is something that we teach um, foster carers when they get children that are extremely dysregulated or from trauma backgrounds. Like the very, very first step is a safe environment in order to elicit healing, slowness and a safe environment. So how you bounce back from a situation depends entirely on your nervous system. Our nervous system has like three uh, states, fight, flight and freeze. So this turns on in stressful situations and tells your body there's an imminent threat. Um So people that have unhealed trauma or like high stress jobs um, can literally live in a permanent state of fight, flight or freeze mode. And the impacts that this has on your body is devastating. So the other state is rest and digest and your body needs to be in this state in order to recover restore and be in alignment so a resilient person can easily switch from fight flight freeze and then go back to rest and digest a person that is not resilient and it's not an insult most of us I would say at least half of us aren't 
cannot switch back into rest and digest and they may stay escalated for hours after an event or even you know you finish work and you're still energetic and round and there are a lot of things that you can look out for like little signs like if you find it hard to fall asleep or you're waking up consistently 2 to 3 a.m or you're not hungry in the morning all these little things that are signs of excess cortisol in your life even having like a little pouch of fat on your stomach um like more body fat on your stomach can be a signs of excess cortisol so I highly recommend one looking into the impacts of stress and then two finding out techniques and ways or investing in someone that can show you techni- techniques and ways to regulate your nervous system because this is the most essential skill that any individual can learn that and and then you know in, in the relationship aspect communication but for your own personal growth it is essential and a lot of like therapy like, you know how I was saying, Adrian was like, I've been in weeks of therapy and this this guy is so intelligent. He's so qualified. He's got a billion awards, blah, blah, blah. But like, I can't even think about these, the techniques or tools that he's given me. Like they're so subtle and like, just write down what you want me to do kind of thing. And it's because there is a safe place being provided for him in therapy and it is more, it's much more slower then you realize it is a gentle, slow approach to healing. And it is about how can we calm our nervous state, um, our nervous system state. So yeah, please look into that. <laughs> please get around it. Um, and I'm curious, like, let me know if this is something that you, the average person is aware of and knows about or thinks about. I'm really curious about it. And I love when you guys have been reaching out to me with your thoughts um, on my Instagram, Eliza Joy Wilson. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and yeah, I, I do love having conversations with you and, and talking to you about this and understanding how you guys feel. I've had a lot of people reaching out to me recently with um, some uh, issues that they're experiencing or going through. And we've been talking a lot about that. Um, obviously my responses being on Instagram chat aren't as thorough or extensive as, as you know, you, you're not going to get like a profound healing growth answer, more of just an insight provided or a listening ear or a curiosity statement or whatever. Um, so yeah, if you're interested, I will be starting my a therapeutic coaching program mainly for, I'm going to be working with families, individuals and couples. So basically everyone um, and doing a variety of things on working specifically for relationship issues or personal growth issues, overcoming um, obstacles, learning about how we can work through things, help you achieve, not just help you achieve your goals because I swear everyone that does anything in the therapeutic coaching sense would say that but yeah I think that really unpacking who you are what you are and why you are and finding a way forward and educate using education I think is really really essential for this um so yeah stay tuned for this I will keep everyone updated. Anyways, I hope that you all had a beautiful New Year's. My New Year's was very low key, very uneventful. 
um, we were at home <laughs> and I was in bed by like 9.30. Um, my Christmas was great. I had a few people reach out to me on Christmas, um, talked talked to a few of you and yeah, it was, um, it was a nice time. So I'm excited to see what 2024 brings. Let me know what your your um, goals and dreams are and what you're leaving behind in 2023. And let me know what your favorite point from today was. Like if there was something that really stood out to you, you're like, wow, this is actually something that I really want to focus on adopting in my life. Let me know what it was. I'm curious. Anyways, I shall see you all hopefully within a few days. I will be uploading another podcast. We'll see. But otherwise, um, I shall see you soon. We'll talk to you soon. Well, record soon and upload. Bye.